Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday. He's armed with a week's worth of talking points and got up early for your listening pleasure. So kick back and enjoy all the immensity, the potency, and the intensity that is The Robin Lundberg Show. Here's the man so charismatic, we named the show after him, Robin Lundberg. It is The Robin Lundberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, Rocket can. I told you I'd tell you who the highest paid athlete of 2021 was, and 501 in the 503 tweets in with Mayweather out. It's got to be the ultimate entrepreneur, the Irish whiskey drinking Conor McGregor. Uh, you know, I don't know, ultimate entrepreneur, but certainly in this case, yeah, that is correct. Uh, Conor McGregor, he flipped a whiskey company. I guess it's called Proper Number 12, his whiskey brand. Um, and he, he flipped that and, and got a lot of money this past year. $180 million, or this, this year so far, $180 million. Only $22 million of that on the field or in the octagon, if you will. So I don't know if he'll be able to maintain that spot on the list. Almost certainly will not maintain that spot on the list unless he has other brands to flip. But shows you, one, you have to have a star power to be able to uh, have people care about a brand in order to boost it to what you know he eventually boosted that to. Number two was Lino Messi at $130 million. He made $97 million of that on the field. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was number three. 70 million of his on the field. Those guys made 130 and 120 million, respectively. Number four was Dak Prescott. Is Dak Prescott. Uh, everybody knows he just signed a, a little bit of a contract there. And number five, LeBron James. But slightly surprising, I think, to see Conor McGregor at number one. Unless you knew about that whiskey company um, beforehand. And if you knew that, uh, I guess you could have figured... It out. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. Let's go next to Malcolm in Florida. Malcolm, you're up on the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, good morning, good morning. Um, two quick points, and I'll, I'll listen to you. Uh, and and what I'm about to say is, is not meant to offend anyone. It's just me, my personal thoughts, just thinking out loud. Um, first of all, I always get a kick out of when 
people try to tell athletes who have played the game at such a high level. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game. But I always get a kick out of when people try to tell them what's best for them, like they don't know the landscape of the league. Like he doesn't know where else he can go and win. Like if you leave Green Bay, there's nowhere else you can go and win a Super Bowl. And I, I think that's that to me that's always so laughable because uh, that was the same talk with some uh, some folks when uh, Tom Brady was decided that he was going to leave uh, New England. I heard some of the same stuff on, on the radio. Uh, the best situation for him was still in New England. Well, lo and behold, it turns out it wasn't. Um, second point, um, when I, I, I always think uh, it's always confusing to me when a team is ready to get rid of an athlete, but when the athlete uh, is ready to get rid of the team, uh, people have a huge problem with that. I, I don't get it because it's not like Aaron Rodgers drew first blood here. I think Green Bay did when they spent the number one draft pick on the quarterback. So they're not picking a quarterback to sit for four or five years behind Aaron Rodgers with a number one pick. They intend to replace him sooner than later. So I, I, I guess with most folks it would be okay if they replace him but with him, he's saying, no, well, you have every intent on replacing me sooner or later, so let me go ahead and, and help you out here, and I'll, I'll, I'll remove myself from the situation. Let's work something out. I don't understand uh, why it's always okay for the team you know, well, to, to look, go I, ahead. No, I, agree with, I agree with some of your sentiment there. Um, one, you're correct. People, a lot of people probably said that staying in New England was the best – case for Brady I think in fact I think the prevailing notion was it was the best for everybody right like uh for for all involved and and look what Brady did he went and won a, a Super Bowl in Tampa and in general I agree with you that when the player takes control of the situation uh people get upset uh, for instance even when Dr. J was talking about uh the, that list and LeBron wasn't on and he said it's because he led the super team, you know, the construction of player-led super teams. Well, why is it different if the player puts it together versus the super teams that have always existed in the NBA, whether it's the Bulls or the, the Celtics right. or the, the Lakers? Um, in Aaron Rodgers' specific case, I think there's no doubting. You know, there's no question you're, you're correct. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and when you, you take a player like that and you put him in the right situation, it could work out. The one thing I would push back against, though, is the idea – that the Packers have not done right by him from a talent standpoint because clearly they do have the infrastructure in place and the talent in place to help him win, whether that be just the offensive line, which we know, the running game, which we know, the receiver uh, in, in Adams that he has, you know, the, the improvement from the defense. So I don't think you're wrong in saying that we can't just write off the possibility that he goes somewhere else and wins, but I, I do think people who are saying that the Packers have let him down are, are wrong because I don't think that's fair. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Packers let him down. I'm not. You know that mindset. I just think that this is strictly. I mean, uh, probably is a lot of stuff behind the scenes that neither side is talking about. But I think you know just this one specific thing. When you draft a quarterback with a number one draft pick, you intend to replace the guy you have. You're not drafting him to be a backup. And so I think that that's like a, a that would be that's like a final straw thing for Aaron. You intend to replace me. So why can't I just remove myself? Clearly that was the case. And and thanks right. for the call. I think it, it motivated him 
to have the season he had. I would have thought that was the end of it once he, he did that, you know, like once he had that MVP season. But apparently that was not the case. Um, you know, that was, you know, this is a uh, situation where he, he's held on to that for a long time. And you're right. Maybe that was eventually, you know, what what is is leading to, to this. He feels like he was not valued enough by the franchise. I don't know how they could make the transition and move on if he's still playing at this level, though. Or, and, and that's why I would have thought it would have been over with. Because, yes, you, you, you use the high pick on Jordan Love, but that's a sunk cost at this point. It'll be interesting to see what Jordan Love is, too. We, none of us know what Jordan Love is. Let's go to Dustin in Illinois. Dustin, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Dustin? Hey, how's it going? I was uh, hearing this little man talking about the, the analytics of baseball and how it's ruining the game, and and I just think that's completely uh, kind of against the curve. I mean, we've got all these teams using these analytics to their advantage and, and getting the right players out there at the right times and, and positioning those players defensively to, uh, you know, hinder the offense of the other team. And as far as the baseballs and stuff are concerned, I mean, obviously there's a major difference there between last year and this year as far as what's going on and how they were juiced last year. Seems more like we went back to what a, a typical baseball would be um, in years past. But I think a little bit of it also has to do with, like, externally from baseball, the weather in general has been a lot milder, at least here in the Midwest. I don't think we're seeing the balls fly as far as we will when it starts to warm up here in the summer and and, you know, hearing about exit velocity, that type of stuff with these players, I think we're going to see a lot more doubles in the gaps, home runs, that type of thing. Um, and we're really going to see this kind of level out as far as a typical baseball year. So I don't know what your take would be on that. But that's kind of where I've been seeing as far as baseball is concerned this season. Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I think, you know, some of those home runs may be becoming flyouts, right? And, and whether that's a result of the weather or the, or the ball, um, that is is definitely um, something that that could be taking place. And analytics, I'm not like boohoo analytics. I mean, I think it's a useful tool. I think you know, like anything else, you, you know, it's information. It should be information that you use to inform your decision, right? Like that's that's the way I look at it. It doesn't mean it's what you necessarily go with but it's information that you use to inform your decision we should all try to make informed decisions I just think part of what you've seen is that because of some of the things that analytics revealed and the effectiveness or the 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 strategies that came about as a result you haven't seen the course correction yet if the balls let's say aren't juiced enough and they're not flying out of the, the ballpark or whatever the case may be and you also have to combine that with the fact that, like, how many pitchers are, are nowadays throwing as hard as they're throwing, right? Like, the, the, the pitchers are, are really good, and you're seeing a lot of fresh pitchers out of the bullpen and, and, and with the way that those have been utilized now. So a, a lot of those things probably factor in to what you're seeing this year, which is the all-time low so far for, for batting average when it comes to an MLB season. Never before has the batting average been this low. Now, there's plenty of season left for that to be fixed and addressed, just like anybody else. Like, you know, what do they say? The back of the baseball card in baseball, right? So you got plenty of time for the uh, season to take shape and for, for that to change. But as of right now, yeah, the the, the hitters are, are not hitting. They're like a 237 or something like that uh, over the course 
uh, of this season and appreciate the call. 855-212-4227. If you want to get in, that's 855-212-4227. You know, it's like with anything, there's ebbs and flows. And you see that with baseball right now. People like to complain about various things. But I I think the one thing, you know, that people want to see more of, at least casually, is action in baseball. Like the, you know, running, stuff like that. Balls in play. Um, And so you get a little bit of a frustration when that patience approach continues to to be happening and it leads to a a feast or famine result being a, a home run or a strikeout. And, and, you know, obviously working the count and, and playing for walks and everything that can come along with it. But, yeah, I mean, you, you get backlash against any change in evolution in, in sports. I mean, the NBA has gotten it about the three-point shot, right? I mean, you got so many guys now taking threes or, or even on a break instead of, of attacking the basket and, and going to the basket on the break. They're pulling up or, or trying to set a three. Or you'll, you'll see somebody driving to the teeth of the defense and people expect them to try and draw a foul. Or, or, or put the, the ball up on the basket and instead they're kicking out to the corner because the, the corner three is has been proven such a, a valuable shot. And, and a lot of that started, you know, some of that started from the philosophy of someone like Mike D'Antoni who sort of innately understood that maybe, you know, the game needed to be spread out a little bit more. Maybe playing smaller could be more effective, uh, that sort of thing. Like he just sort of innately understood that. And then you had, you know, the analytics movement in basketball as well. And, and basically, I mean, it's, it's, it's oversimplifying things. But when you say making 33% of threes is the same as making 50% of twos, right? And you saw that the corner three, which is a shorter three, was hit at a certain rate. And, and all these things that factored in. And then, you know, then, then there was just like absurd talent that factors into that too. Steph Curry, the... The, the shots that he was taking or does take were the kind of thing that would get you benched back in the day, right? You would sit down. Your coach would be like, what are you doing? Are you insane taking those shots? But it turns out he's effective with them. And it turns out a lot of guys are more effective with deeper threes than you would have thought or off the dribble threes than you would have thought. And not only in, you know, like rare scenarios, but at high volumes, you could take a lot of threes, including higher degree difficulty threes than you would have, you know, you would typically expect, and make them at a good clip, and and therefore, you know, people are looking for that. But then, what becomes an undervalued commodity? Probably the mid range game, right? Because mid range game is is inefficient for the most part, but it's also the kind of shots that defenses are trying to force. So if you can be money from the mid range, you can really make teams pay, and you could score at all three levels. You know, the, the Nets are, are like that right now because James Harden is an orchestrator. He's a facilitator. He's going to get into the teeth of the defense and set up other guys or, or get to the free throw line, or he's going to hit that step back three for himself. But the other two, Kyrie and, and KD, are deadly from the mid-range. So how do you guard that? How do you guard that when they're all threats from three? Harden's a threat to, to take it to the rack. Uh, Kyrie is also a threat to in isolation to, to, to take it to the rack. And, and KD is seven feet tall and, and it's shooting from 35 feet away, you know, like, so it, it's, it's a blending of things. Um, and, and, and I, I think whenever you view analytics as the boogeyman, you're making a mistake or whenever you view 
analytics as the end-all be-all, you're making a mistake. I mean, analytics is just a fancy word. There's also people have been using analytics forever. At one point, home runs and RBIs were analytics, right? Like batting average was analytics. It's really just information to help inform your decisions is how it should be treated. The thing about baseball that's a little different than the other sports, because in basketball you've seen sort of an evolution in the style of play, the thing about baseball is they're probably more dependent on numbers than other sports because you have so many isolated incidents in baseball, right? Like it's so much easier to track because it, you have an individuals at bats or you can see the, the, the trends over a huge sample size and isolated. It's not dependent on um, a great pass to get into the pocket of your, your shooting motion or, or how the break was ignited or, or you know, the, the rebound before that or, or, or the stop on defense. You know what I mean. Uh, in, in baseball, it's so-and-so is at the plate this many times, and here were the results. Or the, this many players have had at-bats over the course of the season, and here's how the at-bats have worked in, in, in various situations. Or so-and-so pitcher does this against left-handers, does this against right-handers, you know? Like, all of that is, is static data, and, and it, it's done over a large sample size. So I think that's one of the reasons that it, it happened in baseball to the degree it did first and continues to be the, the sport that people point to about it first because it, it's the sport that actually lends itself to the statistics the most. All the way to that, that catchphrase that I said before. You know, the, the cliche, you're going to be the back of your baseball card because over the, the course of the year, a long year, 162 games, as many at-bats as a player has, the averages are going to show up. And therefore, that is sort of the, the, the truth of the matter, if you will. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. The NBA, wild weekend. Coming up, we'll get into that and the state of the playoffs as they stand right now, not to mention that Hall of Fame class coming up next. It's the Robert Ludberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. He's Robin Lundberg, and he's on CBS Sports Radio. Take it away, Robin. It is the Robin Ludwig Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Talking some NBA now. And to do so, I'm joined by Gary Washburn, Boston Globe National NBA writer. And Gary, before we get to the, the current state of the game, I, I want to talk about this this Hall of Fame class. And, and you've been covering the game for a long time. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of attention on, on Kobe Bryant, um, given uh, you know the, the, the tragic loss um, of Kobe, his daughter Gigi, and, and, and the outpouring of love. That has happened since then, but it is a, a great class going in. I mean, Tim Duncan, who Doc Rivers just called the most underrated superstar of all time. Kevin Garnett, uh, you know, an all-time great as well. How would you describe the, this class? Because I would say generational. You know, it's a, a group of players who, along with a few others, helped really define a generation of basketball. Yeah, um, this is probably one of the best classes of obviously of all time. I mean, you can go back to Shaq and Allen Iverson a couple of years ago or Jordan and John Stockton um, in 2009. But, yeah, this is, I mean, with the three guys who are contemporaries and who battled 
so often against each other in the playoffs and, and you know tough regular season games. The trio of you know Kobe, Duncan, and Garnett. I mean that just makes it for I mean the three first ballot no no question Hall of Famers makes us a, a very elite class. Um, and then obviously you've got other you know Kim Mulkey, the now new LSU coach and. Uh, you know other other greats, Eddie Sutton. I mean, this is this is uh, just a prestigious class. But obviously, when you have um, three contemporaries who battled it out, in the, starting in the late '90s and all deep into the 2000, or, you know, early 2010s, uh, it, this just makes it just because you can see them on the court against each other. You can see them winning championships. You can just visualize that, and you know. And you know the the tragedy of having Kobe not be here, and and, and all the circumstances regarding that just kind of, you know, it, it, it saddens the, the situation, uh, but it's still a region for celebration. Um, when it comes to Duncan and what I had referenced, Doc Rivers had said uh, underrated. Do you think he's under? I I think he's more under discussed than he is underrated. I I guess because he's just not polarizing in any way his game wasn't flashy he's not a soundbite machine so you know a variety of those factors I don't know if he's necessarily underrated yeah I would say uh, it depends on how you look at it I think that Tim was never a guy that embraced the media he never was on a bunch of commercials and his game was never flashy so it was just kind of like a, a like obviously the big fundamental just the the guy who did everything the right way, and then went played in one franchise his whole career, won five championships. There was no intrigue or prestige, or not prestige, but you know, intrigue to his career. Like he just he went out there and he played as much as he could. He did everything, you know. He paired with David Robinson, and then he kind of took control of the franchise after that. Then here comes Parker and Ginobili, and then you know he obviously he wins one last one with Kawhi um, leading the way. And I just think his style was so no-nonsense that people and, – and people never really got to know Duncan. He never really – you know, he never really opened up. <clears throat> He's a very reluctant superstar. Um, and, and for me, that's – that you know, these kind of weekends kind of allow some of these guys to open up and finally, you know, embrace the appreciation of their career where Duncan is going to have to say a speech. It might not be a long speech tonight, but it's going to be a speech to thank people and to maybe open up and pop some jokes and show his personality um, and, and show the finally smell the roses. Because some of these guys are so laser-focused on success and winning that they don't pay attention to anything else until it's over. And now these guys can truly appreciate being loved by their peers and their heroes because there's uh, obviously all these former Hall of Famers at Mohegan, and they can, you know, be, you know hear the kudos of like, oh, I, I, you're one of my favorite players. And, and I think the players are, are moved by that. And some of these guys, they don't learn to appreciate this until they're, mid- until they're 45 or 46 years old. Robin Lundberg talking to Gary Washburn, Boston Globe National NBA writer here on CBS Sports Radio. Now let's uh, go forward, fast forward to today and where we're at right now in, in the NBA season. The play-in tournament, I know there was the LeBron comments that were born out of a little bit of frustration on his part, but I think overall right now the, the vibes around that have to be pretty good, right? Uh, considering you know 
there there could be a potential that the, the Lakers play the the Warriors and the, what it's meant for the the sort of end of the season frenzy here. Yeah, it's kind of turned in in some ways to like the NFL or the Major League Baseball fighting for the wild card spots, where if we were in a normal season, uh, it would be kind of a blah ending because a lot of the seeds were already cinched, so there's no meaning to the last couple of games. You've basically gotten you have G League teams out there playing the last couple of uh, days of the season, but now you've got two days left in the season, teams still fighting for seeding, still fighting for play-in, which play-in, so these games still mean something. And now you have the middle of the week this week where it would be um, – you would you would have had those meaningless regular season games in previous seasons. Now starting Tuesday, you've got, you know, four consecutive days or three consecutive days of playing games, so meaningful, you know, winner-take-all kind of games during the week competing against, you know, Major League Baseball and all that. So you, you're taking the spotlight for another few days. And then, then next weekend, the playoffs start, you know, the real playoffs start. So, yeah, I think, this is, I think the league it loves us, especially, Robin, since the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Celtics will be involved like, in the play-in. I mean, that's, that, that's, a, that's, that's a thing that, that those teams draw ratings. You know, we're not talking about Indiana – Against Charlotte, we're talking about Lakers, Warriors, and you know the Celtics involved. So that's going to get ratings. Yeah, for for sure. The Celtics, uh, not exactly a sterling season for them, but they will be in that that play-in game. They were considered one of those teams that would be a, a contender in the East going into the season. But you look at the East and the way it's taken shape. Miami's on a, a good run right now. The Sixers just clinched the top seed. The Bucks added Drew Holiday, and then there's obviously the the Nets. With, with the big three, and they're going to play together today. You know, Gary, when it comes to the, both the East, which I think is stronger in some ways, you know, at least at the top, you could argue, than, than the, the West, though the West is, is probably deeper. But when it comes to the Nets being 46-24 and 24 with the big three, having only played seven games together, do you think people are sleeping on the possibility of, of this team kind of running through the playoffs a, a little bit when whole? Maybe, but I think it's gonna it's a dangerous precedent, I believe, Robin, to assume that they're just gonna come together and dominate. Like they're gonna need a series to kind of get used to each other again. And that that's gonna be that first round series that whoever they play. And they should be good enough to obviously pretty much win that series easily, but to assume that they're just going to come together in the playoffs and then play high level basketball and be able to just stomp teams, I don't. I think is a little. That's asking a lot. I mean, they might struggle a little bit. Now, I'm not saying they won't fall. They'll fall short, but they've got to. They're going to have to play. Um, you know, if they finish the third seed, if they're going to have to play Milwaukee and then Philadelphia. Maybe or you know either or um, in the conference semis and in the conference finals to get to the final. That's going to be tough. I mean, so I I know the best case scenario because the Nets definitely wanted let's say a couple of weeks for those three to play together before the postseason. But then you know you had Durant with his issues and Kyrie and then Harden missing a month. So they're going to have to learn fast. Now they're smart guys. They're, they're all Hall of Fame players. So they'll get it together, but I don't think it will be as easy as them just slicing through the East. 
Now, how about in the West? Uh, you know, it, it felt like a collision course between Brooklyn and LA, and and then obviously other teams emerge in the East, and you you, you deal with injuries, and then the, the LeBron James injury out West. That's the hardest thing for me to get a handle on because I don't know what you know LeBron's status is. I, I I get it. People are so used to it, and I'm so used to him just coming back and dominating in the playoffs. That's what I expect. But I, I, to me, this is a, not like a case of load management. This is a case of he's hurt. He was hurt. And it's it's a tough injury to come back from. Uh, do you do you have any word or any any feelings on on where LeBron is going to be when the playoffs actually start? You know, high ankle sprains are, are hard injuries. I mean, I think we from our you know years of following the NFL. I mean, those are those are those are injuries. Those are serious injuries. But high ankle sprains, the worst type of ankle sprain. Um, so to assume that LeBron's going to come back and be a hundred percent LeBron and be dominant LeBron is asking a lot. And then, obviously, I think, Robin, the, the Lakers are just a team that they just haven't worked out well together this year. Kyle Kuzma hasn't had a great year. Andre Drummond has been up and down. Sometimes they don't even play Montrez Harrell. Uh, Dennis Schroeder's in the protocol. You know, but they've just got a bunch of pieces, but it doesn't seem like they fit all that well together. Then Anthony Davis is starting to play very good ball. You know, but you can never, you never know. He had a, you know, he came back and had a dominant game against the Knicks, and then now he's got a groin issue. So I'm not sure about the Lakers. I just think this is the year they can get knocked off. I think teams like the Suns and the Jazz have been ramping up for this opportunity to get the Lakers in a home court advantage series. So someone's going to have to go up to Utah or Phoenix, whoever wins the number one seed and win there. They're going to have home court advantage, and that's going to be tough because I think. If Donovan Mitchell is healthy enough to come back, and he seems like he's getting there, the, the Jazz are going to be something you know to deal with. So are the Suns, and I just think the Lakers just don't seem to have that you know intangible that they had last year in the bubble. Let's see if LeBron can bring it together. If he does, and this team goes from the seventh seed or whatever to the to the finals, that might be one of his greatest feats. Unquestionably, <laughs> especially, you know, depending on who he, he could possibly beat in the NBA Finals. Gary, appreciate your time today. Enjoy the, the rest of your weekend, man. Hey, Robin, thanks a lot. Miss any of the show? Catch up with the Robin Lundberg podcast. Available all week on the weekend page at cbssportsradio.com. And if you do that, you'd hear what I had to say about the NFL schedule release. Belichick playing Tom Brady, even though Belichick doesn't play football. (laughs) The uh, case of, of made by Doc Rivers about Tim Duncan being the most underrated superstar of all time amongst other things and if you want to weigh in on any of those before I hand it off you can as well at 855-212-4227 but right now you hear me talk about things that I have not talked about on the show thus far in another one it's time for another edition of Another One on the Robin Lundberg Show. The rumors, reports, and ridiculous from the week that was. Here's Robin Lundberg. All right, Anthony, what's up first? 
All right, so Russell Westbrook, he made some history on Monday when he broke Oscar Robertson's record for triple-doubles. Uh, Westbrook snagged a rebound in the fourth quarter of the uh, Wizards' loss to Atlanta on Monday, giving him his 182nd triple-double. He topped Robertson's previous record of 181 career triple-doubles. So some legendary stuff right there from uh, Russell Westbrook. So is Russell Westbrook a top five point guard in NBA history? Uh, let me first tackle the, the triple-double thing. Like When I was growing up, Oscar Robertson's triple-double season was like the thing of myth, of legend, right? And Russell Westbrook's about to average a triple-double for the fourth time. So I don't care what context you apply to that. It's legendary. Uh, top five point guard of all time. Well, the point guard thing gets a little tough because it depends on who you consider point guard. Like, LeBron James is probably the greatest point guard of all time, right? Like, if you're really talking about somebody who orchestrates an offense and runs a team. Now, James Harden is a point guard, really, by nature, you're seeing with the Brooklyn Nets. But he's been more classified as a shooting guard. So I'll go with the guys who have been considered, quote-unquote, point guards for, for most of their career. Uh, the top two to me are Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. And, you know, Magic Johnson, the greatest point guard of all time. I think Steph Curry, um, at his peak, is is the best point guard ever. Like, just, like, pure explosive uh, ability when, he, when he's got it going. Beyond that, there's a group of guys who are fighting for those next spots, and they all have a case. I think Chris Paul has a case up, up high there. You know, Chris Paul... Um, the point god, as he's been referred to. And you see the impact he has on, on various teams when he gets there. John Stockton. You know, people don't realize the, the records that, that John Stockton has, the, the assist record and the steals record, where Chris Paul's the next closest guy to him in assists, and it's like well over 5,000 assists behind John Stockton. Obviously not going to catch him. Those records are going to be out of reach when, when John Stockton, you know, not when he retires. He's obviously been retired for a long time, but John Stockton already put those numbers out of reach. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, you know, and, and what he was able to accomplish with the, the, the Pistons. Um, and, and then you have the likes of, of Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. And I'm probably forgetting, guys. I would say Russell Westbrook, to me, is, if you want to make the case he's top five, he's got it now. And you could say that without... Um, anyone dismissing it. I probably, personally, would have him somewhere between 5 and 10, and and that's where he would land. But regardless, the guy's had a hell of a career, and there are legitimate critiques with, like, um, crunch time decision-making, lack of a consistent jump shot, all that sort of stuff. But you, you can't knock what he just did. What's next? Another one. Speaking of lists, so Jerry West spent 14 years with the Lakers, made the All-Star team every season, being elected to 12 All-NBA teams and leading the Lakers to a title in 1972. However, last month when Jeannie Buss joined the All the Smoke podcast, she did not include West in her list of the top five most important Lakers of all time. Buss's list included Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Phil Jackson, LeBron James, and Magic Johnson. West called Buss's list one of the most offensive things I've ever heard during a podcast with Peter Vesey. Should Jerry West f- 
feel insulted. Well, look, I, I think other things may be at play here, right? Uh, Jerry West it, it went on to, to run the Clippers, <laughs> right, and, and make his his own, you know, L.A. team, and, and maybe that has led to some sort of animosity there or, or whatnot. As far as the list, I, I don't really have a problem with the list. The only thing is, like, the Phil Jackson spot on it, right? Like, that's the uh, – obviously, Jeannie Buss had a relationship, a, a long-standing relationship. I sure still has some sort of relationship with Phil Jackson. So putting him on that list is what uh, throws it out of whack a little bit. And, and LeBron, to be quite frank. Like, LeBron is, to me, the greatest player of all time. But he's still a relatively new Laker. But he's defining this era of the Lakers, and he's already won a championship with the Lakers. And, of course, Jeannie Buss is going to put him on the list. She's running the team while LeBron James is doing that. So you have to factor that part in. So I think in any something like that, the, the context matters. LeBron being on the list, of course she's going to put him on there. Phil Jackson on the list, she has a personal relationship with. And perhaps uh, Jerry West not being on the list could be um, factored in because of the uh, you know the what he's done with the Clippers, but there are a bunch of people who also deserve to possibly be on that list, including Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, and Elgin Baylor, to name a few. So it's it's just a tough list to put together. I, I think uh, Jerry West is taking it a little bit too personal. What's next? Another one. So despite Zion's huge season, the Pelicans were officially eliminated from the playoffs following their loss on Wednesday night. Uh, Here is some uh, audio from Stan Van Gundy following the loss on Wednesday. It's disappointing to to be done and not playing. It's disappointing to to end the year like this when, you know, we thought we had a shot and then we're going out there with, you know, five of our top six guys in minutes played not playing, you know, things like that. That's disappointing. But there's some good things too. So I don't know. Again, I'll leave it to you guys to – characterize the season but but i think from the franchise's point of view and the fans point of view there's there should be some things that you're that you're really excited about i really believe that so is stan van gundy the right man to lead the pelicans going forward uh you know i i wasn't impressed by the pelicans this year i don't know how much of that was on stan van gundy and how much is on the roster construction i think their their biggest problem is the the roster is flawed you know, there's not much floor spacing around uh, Zion. You know, there's not much shot creation on that team when it comes to, like, uh, dribble penetration and the like. You know, Eric Bledsoe, not a shooter. Uh, you know, Adams next to Zion doesn't make sense in certain ways. Lonzo Ball, not a scorer. Uh, Brandon Ingram, more of an isolation kind of scorer. So I, I think you have to upgrade the, the talent and the, the fit uh, personnel-wise, first, that's the the most important thing. But it doesn't matter who the coach is, uh, you know, in, until that is is actually addressed. Um, but I, I I was not blown away by the job Van Stan Van Gundy did this year, even though I, I you know I I like a lot of what he has to say <laughs> away from basketball and have respect for him. But I I don't think this was a uh, highly successful Pelican year in really any way you could measure. What's next? Another and one. And finally, I don't know if you saw this, Robin. Did you see uh, Emily Blunt, her comments this week? 
Uh, I don't think I did. All right, so uh, she um, she disappointed a lot of comic book fans. She was on the Howard Stern Show, and uh, she shut down the rumors that she and her husband, of course, John Krasinski, are in talks to star in uh, Marvel's upcoming incarnation of the Fantastic Four. She said, no one has received a phone call. That is just people saying, wouldn't that be great? And that's it. And then she went on to talk about the superhero genre, and she goes, They're not up my alley. I think it's been exhausted. We are inundated. It's just not that it's only uh, it's not that it's only the movies. It's all the TV shows as well. And it's not to say that I would never want to play one. It would just have to be something so cool, and then I would be interested. In general, I don't race to see superhero movies. They leave me feeling a little bit cold. I can't explain it. I can't get in there. Uh, now, I also will say this. She was supposed to... They want In Marvel, they wanted her to play Black Widow. She couldn't because of contractual obligations. She had to go do another movie. She was... She said that she would have been... In, she was going to do Black Widow. She wanted to do Black Widow because she wanted to work with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. So, uh, but I don't know. There's a lot there in all the comments. Uh, you know, like, people's personal preferences are their personal preference. I'm not going to get upset about that. You know, she didn't um, totally dismiss... Or no, and she is, and, and she was, and she's also right. We have been inundated with. Oh, oh, yeah. no doubt, and, and that goes beyond. Like, see, I, I think you know, I, and I have a personal bias towards Marvel stuff, but I think the the reason the Marvel stuff worked is the thought that was put behind it, the groundwork that was laid, the interconnectivity, the connection to the characters, all the stuff that that led to that grander story. But everybody's tried to capture that formula. There's been all sorts of various spinoffs, and and you know different sorts of, of offshoot movies. So I get where she's coming from, but everybody's allowed to have their personal taste. I'm not going to get mad because she doesn't like the same stuff I like. I, you know, as long as... Even if you are insulting it, I, I'm not going to get that mad about it. But I think one of the reasons the Scorsese comments blew up where he said it's not cinema, right? So there's a, a little bit of condescension in, in that regard where this is just like, hey, it's not my thing. All right, cool. <laughs> it's not your thing. Hopefully the Robin Lundberg Show is your thing. I'll be back next Saturday morning. As always, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Ken Carmen is up next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.